Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Psalms, Psalm 37, which is a Psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoer shall be cut off but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established in the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen my righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he was brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold.
in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. So why the Psalms? Why do we look at the Psalms every summer? Because the Psalms teach us meditation. God wants us to learn how to meditate, so he put 150 sung poetic meditations in the scriptures. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, seek God, not happiness. This is the fundamental rule of all meditation. If you seek God alone, you will gain happiness. That is its promise. So that's what we're trying to train ourselves to do every summer, to stop, slow down, and, and really focus on flourishing. Those who are flourishing are those who truly desire God more than anything else. And meditation is a great vehicle to help yourself, to train yourself in desiring God more than anything. As this psalm, Psalm 37, says in verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now listen, whatever issue is forefront in your mind right now, whether it's a personal issue or a nationwide issue, a world issue, community issue, whatever is your issue right now, or maybe it's a personal injury or a loss or whatever you're fearing, whatever you're focusing on right now, I'm telling you, you need God more. You need to focus on Him more than whatever you're focusing on. And Psalm 37 encourages us to do this by, I'm going to use somebody else's phrase, taking the long view. Psalm 37 gives us the long view on things. Look, right now, things look difficult. Now, for the believer, if you're trying to follow and trust in and obey the God of the Bible, things are going to be difficult for you, especially in difficult times. Things look difficult right now. If you're trying to do things God's way in this world and with its people, you're going to have trouble. But God's perspective is that in the end, those who trust him will be well. They will be blessed. They are blessed. And you need that. You need this long view of things if, if you're going to make it. And if you're going to flourish in a broken world. And the idea for today is you got to focus on God in trying times more than you are focusing on the people around you and the world around you. You have to focus on him more. And the three ways I'm going to talk about this are as follows. We're going to talk about what you shouldn't focus on. And then we're going to talk about what you should focus on. And then finally, we're going to talk about how Jesus helps us focus. So what you shouldn't focus on, what you should focus on, and how Jesus helps us focus. And, and look, because this is a very long psalm, and because I don't have a lot of time, I'm just going to focus on the first nine verses of Psalm 37. And actually, this is helpful because the first nine verses really summarize the entire psalm. So first of all, you shouldn't focus on being preoccupied with the wicked. Your focus shouldn't be a preoccupation on what the wicked are saying and doing. Now, we have to define wicked. And we've already done this in an earlier psalm. Uh, when the Old Testament and when the Psalms talk about the wicked, we have to remember this is, not a this is not a category reserved just for tyrants and drug lords and molesters. 
The wicked is any seemingly decent person who refuses to acknowledge the God of the Bible and rely on him. That If you reject the God of the Bible, it doesn't matter if you follow the law and pay your taxes and help old ladies walk across the street. You're wicked. If you choose to reject the God of the Bible, the Bible categorizes you as wicked. Now, uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, the wisdom psalms, and, and this psalm really is what you call a wisdom psalm. It reminds us of the, of the way the teacher talks in Proverbs. This isn't even a prayer or a song to God. It's, it's we're receiving teaching. Uh, so this wisdom psalm, Psalm 37, it offers us wise teaching for any believer of the God of the Bible. And it basically says, stop obsessing about the people of this world. You're obsessed. Stop it. And actually, it says in verse 1, fret not. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. So it tells us two things. Don't fret and don't envy. And the Hebrew word there for fret, it meant to get hot, to be agitated, to be angry. Right? You're getting angry about what godless people are doing and saying. Stop. Calm down. It's okay to be angry, but do something with your anger. You need to resolve it. You need to deal with it productively and constructively. Don't get angry. Don't stay angry. And then it says, don't envy them. Don't envy the wicked. And what we know about envy is, envy is desiring what you do not have. Envy is wanting to be what you are not. We have to be honest that when we look at the people of this world, we're often attracted by the success and the pleasure and the admiration that they enjoy. Right? They seem to be getting ahead by not following God. And we want, we want some of that success. So the psalmist is telling us right, right away in the psalm, avoid two traps that will consume you and disable you while you live in a broken world and in very trying times. Avoid two mentalities. One is, I have to beat them. I have to win. I have to beat them. And the other mentality is, eh, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. Avoid those two ways of thinking. And the psalmist shows us why it's dangerous and pointless to either despise those who are godless or to envy them. Here's why. Verse 2. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Right? The, the plants look beautiful, but the sun comes out and scorches them and they're gone. Right? Their lives are short-lived, no matter how successful and, and blissful and dominant they appear to be. They'll soon fade like the grass and wither like the herb. Right? This is the long view again on things. Their way of thinking, their way of living will eventually lead to their demise, the psalm tells us. But look at verse 13. The Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. Again, the long view. But look at verse 37. But... But for the righteous, there is a future for the man of peace. So our focus should not be on the wicked, right? Because it leads to obsession. And once we're obsessed, we're going to harbor hatred towards them. Or 
We're going to envy them and want to become like them or be influenced unknowingly by them. And as it says in verse 8, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Okay, so, so that should not, our, our focus should not be a preoccupation with what the godless are saying and doing. The alternative, if you're interested in enduring, if you're interested in enduring, and if you're interested in even thriving in a broken world, the alternative is the alternative is a different focus. The focus should be a preoccupation with God. Your focus should be on God as your source of strength and hope. Trust in the Lord and do good is what it says in verse 3. That's the alternative. Trust in the Lord and do good. And you can summarize that by saying pursue faith and obedience. Faith and obedience, or as the New Testament puts it, faith and repentance, those two. And then the psalmist finds another and a beautiful way of saying this in verse 6. Right? If you do this, trust in the Lord and do good, what will God do? He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Your righteousness and your justice will be exposed as a light to all. Now, these two things are often paired together in the Bible, righteousness and justice together, and so you need to understand them. Now, righteousness, and we've talked about this before many times in the last year. Um, uh, The pastor, Tim Keller, summarized righteousness, biblical righteousness, in a very succinct way when he said that righteousness is basically being in a right relationship with God. Everyone knows what it's like to feel rejected. Everyone knows what it's like to be in a room or to be with a certain crowd and feel like you don't fit in, feel feel like you're not really accepted, right? Well, righteousness is God accepts you. God welcomes you. You're okay with him. You are right with him. Now, uh, the, the, the teacher, John Stott, He elaborated on what the Bible means by righteousness by saying, those who are right with God will therefore live rightly before him. If you're right with God, you're going to live rightly before him, which which means you're going to seek his pleasure. You're going to want to please him and do his will and follow his template in every aspect of your life, your your personal and felt needs and your desires and your goals and your your ambitions, what you do with your money and your resources, what you do with your body, with your sexuality, with your identity, how you deal with your relationships and your conflicts, how you think about politics, how you think about your free time, everything, every corner of your life, every subset, you're going to submit it all to him and follow his will and his paradigm. For all these things, that's living rightly before God. That is righteousness. But John Stott also says, if you're right before God, not only are you you going to live rightly before God, you're going to do rightly to others. And that has to do with justice. This is where righteousness now transitions into and um, uh, develops into justice. Let's talk about what biblical justice is very briefly. Biblical justice is that everyone receives what is due to them based upon God's standards. 
So you know, most people in this world would agree that justice is giving everybody their due, right? But but nobody in this world agrees on what the standard is. Whose standard do we use to say what is due to everybody? See, in the Bible, it's God's standards. God's standards determine what is due to everyone, whether it is help or assistance or rights or whether it is punishment or consequences or discipline. Everyone receives what is due to them based upon God's universal objective standards. So when the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause, it says these things because, as we see in Psalm 146, because God executes justice for the oppressed, because God gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets the prisoner free. The entire Old Testament is a story about a nation of people who were rescued from slavery by the God of the Bible. You see, God acts justly, so he requires human beings to be just. Why? Because it says in verse 28 of Psalm 37, for the Lord loves justice. Now, if you are not a Christian, if you don't follow the God of the Bible, I got to tell you, you are robbing. And if you're not following the God of the Bible, but you care about justice, listen, you are robbing yourself of the best reason to do justice and to do good. A just God is pleased when you act justly as he created you to act, and when you mimic him, imitate him, participate in the work of a God who identifies with the weak, you're robbing yourself of that foundation, of that beautiful motivation to do good by others. So, again, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. And we can summarize that by saying we will trust and obey the God of the Bible. If you're a believer, if you're following this God and you're trying to make it through difficult times and even flourish in difficult times and not give in to hatred or envy, trust and obey. The Bible calls us to both righteousness and justice. Righteousness is trusting in him and delighting in him as you meditate on his beauty and his character in his word. And justice is obeying him. Justice is doing what he calls us to do. How did the old hymn put it? Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Otherwise, Otherwise, you are going to be imbalanced and you are going to be ill-equipped to deal with a broken world. You're not going to be able to hack it. You're going to give up. You're going to be constantly angry and const constantly frustrated, or you're going to be influenced by the wrong people and the wrong ideals. Our society's current tensions illustrate this imbalance vividly. Let's think about it. Our secular institutions and our leaders and our cultural trendsetters, they do value justice, but they neglect righteousness. They want to do the right thing and they tell everybody to do the right thing, 
They want to do the right thing before others, to others, but they don't want to live rightly before God. Right? They, they've canceled him out of the equation. They want to do right, and they tell others to do right, but, but they're not interested in righteousness. They're not interested in God's perspective. They're not interested in honoring him. Now listen, we Christians and we churchgoers, we need to hear this. Our religion too often values righteousness, but neglects justice. Historically, how often has that happened to, uh, to our shame? To care about traditional values and purity before God in our behavior and in our lifestyle, but to be lazy and selfish and deny other people their due based upon God's just objective standards. We want to live right with God, but we don't want to do right by others and become their servants. And as Tony Evans, the pastor, has recently said, society needs to see Christians of all creeds and all colors pursuing both justice and righteousness. The world needs to see both. And if you lack or if you're neglecting one or the other, you're imbalanced, friend. You are ill-equipped to deal with and live in this broken world, especially at a a tense time like this. And, And you probably have a lot of unresolved anger. Or you may even dangerously be envying the people who you probably should not be imitating and digesting their worldview. And and this is why the Psalms on purpose. Teach us to meditate on God. Meditate on Him. Shift your focus off of the people and what they're saying and what they're doing and and focus on Him. Keep your eyes on me, the God of the Bible says. In Psalm 89 verse 14, we hear this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. You see, God is balanced perfectly, and he's perfectly equipped to see that righteousness and justice win in the end. God's got the end game on this whole thing. And by meditating on him, by meditating on his perfect word, you are acquiring for yourself a long view on things. He's got the end game, and that gives you the long view. And Jesus of Nazareth, in his famous Sermon on the Mount, said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That theme comes up four times in Psalm 37. And and this psalm was Jesus' inspiration for saying, Blessed are the meek, because you're going to inherit all things. As Paul told Christians in one of his letters, All things are yours, because you belong to Jesus Christ All things are yours. And how is that so? Why is that true? Because God gave us himself. Because God gave us his son. Jesus displayed for us in history a perfect balance of righteousness and justice. Beautifully aligned. Perfectly symmetrical. Jesus always lived rightly before God, and he always did right 
unto others. He called himself the servant of others. Not to be served, he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life up as a ransom for many, Mark chapter 10. So you and I should not be shocked when we discover that we cannot perfectly balance righteousness and justice. We should not be shocked. And I'm telling you, if you are shocked that you cannot perfectly balance righteousness and justice, you're really arrogant. Um, and, And you and I should not be shocked or despair when we see that other people cannot perfectly balance righteousness and justice. And if you are shocked and surprised that others are not perfectly balancing righteousness and justice, man, I'm sorry, but you're really naive. And, and look, that's okay. That, that's not a threat. It's, um, I'm naive too. And I'm arrogant too. But as I meditate on the God of the Bible, he changes my perspective to humility. And humility is meekness. And he tells me, if you follow me and if you become meek like me, blessed are you because you'll inherit all things. So don't worry about what people are saying and don't worry about people are do- what people are doing. Focus on me, he tells me. As we see at the end of Psalm 37, um, in verse 40, Uh, Verse 40 reveals the fundamental difference between those who are wicked and those who are righteous. Those who are righteous take their refuge in him. Those who are righteous take their refuge in Jesus. We, We shouldn't be shocked and we shouldn't be driven to despair when we see the imbalance in righteousness and justice in us or in the people of this world. All right, but we can be amazed and thankful that we see that Jesus perfectly balances righteousness and justice. We can't possess both perfectly, but Jesus does. So focus on him. Focus on Jesus in trying times more than you focus on the people around you and the world around you. And if you're a Christian, remember, Jesus is your refuge. Jesus alone. Because Jesus received, on the cross, Jesus received your justice, the justice that you deserve for your sin and your rebellion and your imperfect imbalance. Jesus received the justice you deserved on the cross so that his righteousness could be yours. That was the exchange. Your deserved justice for his perfect righteousness. Remember that, Christian. If you're not a Christian, oh, I hope you will see that Jesus promised that if you follow him and if you become meek like him, you will inherit all things. That's his end game for humanity and creation and for you. Receive it. Receive him. That's his end game. You inherit all things. And that end game, knowing it, it'll give you the long view, the long view that you need to endure these difficult times. All right, let's pray. Our God, we confess, we confess that we meditate on, we focus on, we obsess over what people are thinking and saying and doing. We focus on the things that make us angry 
and cause us to envy what other people have and what other people have accomplished. And in in these trying times, Father, help us to focus on you, you who display for us through your Son, Jesus of Nazareth, the perfect balance of righteousness and justice. Thank you that he always lived rightly before you as his Father, that he always did right to others and even died for others, even died for his enemies and acknowledges and recognizes and sympathizes with the weak. May we become weak in Jesus and in him find the righteousness we need and the faith we need to do his will, to obey him and to live justly with others. Oh, Father, may our focus be on Jesus and may we meditate on his truth and his ways and become like him. Um, And Lord, as it has been said, help us as the believing community, help us pursue justice and righteousness. In his name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the just and righteous one, amen.